Find your missing ingredient at the 2024 National Restaurant Show. Whether you're looking to adapt your offerings to satisfy shifting dinner expectations, seamlessly navigate razor-thin margins, or integrate next-era solutions to offset labor challenges, the show has everything you need to plate up success for your operation. See tomorrow's ideas come to life and find inspiration for your next big concept as you explore a bustling show floor featuring over 900 product categories. From award-winning food and beverage items to innovative back-of-house equipment and technology. Join your peers at the show for food service in Chicago, May 18th to 21st, and get a taste of the future. Visit the official show website at www.nationalrestaurantshow.com to register and learn more. Welcome to Menu Feed, a weekly podcast from Restaurant Business and Food Service Director. I'm Pat Kobe, Senior Menu Editor for both publications. Joining me on the podcast is Ryan Rettino, chef and restaurateur of two Michelin-starred restaurants in Washington, D.C., called Jaunt and Bresca, and a new restaurant called Moss in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He is also about to open Omo in Orlando, Florida. All the restaurants have distinct personalities and offer distinct dining experiences, from a convivial bistro style to a multi-course Japanese-inspired tasting menu and a choose-your-own-adventure evening that can end in a blowout dinner. Listen as Ryan describes how at 33, his passionate pursuit of excellence pushes him and his team to constantly evolve why he created the position of Director of Hospitality at Moss to give guests a little something extra each time they visit, and how as he matures, his restaurants mature along with him. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, let's begin about you telling me a little bit about your culinary journey that brought you to Moss. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been it's 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 been years. We're based in D.C. here, though, I guess, like the last seven years we've been uh, working out of Washington, D.C. with our two uh, restaurants, Bresca and Jaunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bresca is in year seven right now. And Jaunt, we opened in the middle of 2020. So a spectacular time to open a restaurant. But we're here now. And along the way, we've met some incredible people. And I think uh, in that process, uh, it led us to the Fort Hospitality team who who asked us to uh, be involved with the Four Seasons project in Fort Lauderdale and, and ultimately open Moss. Hey, great. So what differentiates the restaurants, you know, that earn the Michelin stars? Let's start with the, you know, the ones in Washington that have had Michelin stars. Yeah, I think uh, it's like a constant pursuit of excellence, uh, in my opinion. I think something that we're continually continuously striving for would be the to to the discipline of pushing to be better every day constantly evolving um i always we have like a joke my team asks me all the time you know are you happy i'm like oh i'm happy but am i satisfied not yet you know so i think you know i'm always happy and i I love what we do but are you satisfied and i think the lack of satisfaction with where you're at is what pushes you to be better and i think uh 
with the star Michelin restaurants globally, I mean, in DC included, you end up with a um, group of people that are disciplined and want to be better every day and be in the top 1% of their their class, if you will. And uh, okay. from that, you land on restaurants like like ours that we just constantly are pushing to evolve. How are the how is John and um, Bresca different from each other? Can you just briefly, you know, describe them? Yeah, absolutely. So Bresca, Bresca is gonna is like more of kind of your neo bistro, bistronomy focused, like vibrant, fun, little bit, little bit of buzz going on in the room when you're dining there, uh, and it, it's slightly more approachable too in the sense where you can get a beautiful roast chicken, you can have a nice bone and strip loin or saddle of lamb, and the excuse me, food is focused on, you know, very French and, and European and style, a little bit of like American influence, but you're in this like buzzy dining room. It's serious cooking, but lacks pretense when it comes to the, the service setting and kind of the room itself. And then jaunt is your a little bit more like traditional, like tasting menu only for, for that two-star Michelin format. So, you know, 25 courses plus depending on the time of the year, 16 seats, the counter wrapped around the kitchen. There's no hiding. You can see exactly what everybody is doing at all times, uh, cooking over the live fire, which we don't have downstairs. And then a huge kind of impact from the Japanese sourcing. So we source a lot of ingredients from Japan for John. We still cook very European in style, mm-hmm. but we're going for those high quality seafoods that you get from Japan, the fin fish, the sea urchin. We also use Japanese Wagyu beef. Um, things of that nature. So you see a little bit more of like European focus downstairs and then some more Japanese influence in the ingredients and sourcing and jaunts. Uh, the cooking style, though, still be being very rooted in a European sense. Cool. And Moss is your first venture outside of Washington, D.C., is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So um, what inspired you to create the menu at Moss? And it it also has elements of Japanese and European cooking, from what I understand. Yeah, exactly. I think Moss is like a little bit of a a blend, right? So you have this a la carte dining room that's more reminiscent of dining at Bresca, where you can sit down, order some things to share as a table or eat a three or four course meal. kind of depends on, it's like a choose your own adventure uh, style where you just sit down and kind of decide your own your own, um, your own night, like what you're looking to have, you know, if you're like a three nights a week diner and you can have just like a glass of wine in a, in a, in a main course, or you can celebrate an anniversary and really like blow it out if you want to. And then also though, on the kitchen, we have a 12 seat counter and on that counter, we'll serve a uh, tasting menu only. So where we serve like about a 15, 13 to 15 courses, once again, kind of just depends on the time of the year. Uh, tasting menu focused around the season and the ingredients and we'll bring some things in from japan there as well um so you kind of get this blend of uh, both restaurants in one kind of larger unit i always it's a uh, there we have a four thousand square foot kitchen and at home we have a 400 square foot kitchen wow. so yeah we're able to we're able to blend them both because we have this beautiful space to work out of in a in a, in a slightly larger like um, footprint as well. So we can kind of do both for the guest in one, in one space. And it's in a hotel, correct? Yes. It's in the four seasons in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, cool. 
So are you going to be like flying between Washington, D.C. and uh, Florida a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I think the flight attendants on that flight segment know me pretty well already. (laughs) Yeah, from the construction phase all the way through. Now, I was down there for a good chunk, closing the end of the year out. And then our restaurants in D.C. take a winter break every year. So Mm -hmm. while we were closed up here, I was down there. And then I just came home. Um, It's been about I've been home for about. 14 days, but one of our culinary directors in turn has been down there uh, because I've been home back in Jaunton, Bresca, and we've been working on some new menus and such. So, uh, but yeah, I swing back and forth. I spend a couple weeks, a quarter down in Florida. Cool. And then you're opening another restaurant in Orlando called Omo. Omo, exactly. Yeah. So what will that be like? So Omo is going to be a jaunt-like uh, style of a restaurant. So Omo is going to have three rooms. Uh, what you'll do is you'll enter, you'll sit down in the living room, you'll have a beautiful like glass of champagne, some snacks or canapes, uh, get started, kind of introduce to the service team, talk about your experience for the evening, let us know what you're looking to do from the beverage side of things, uh, any dislikes, we get to know you a little bit. And then from there, you'll move into the savory counter, similarly to Jaunt here in DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll have your plated savory progression there. Um, it'll be, you know, depends on the time of the year, but between like nine and 12, uh, courses in there. And then from there, you'll go into the pastry parlor and then, uh, there's a a counter in front of the pastry team as well as some tables. So we kind of feel out the guests and, 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 and based on what we've learned and gathered from them kind of decide some people would prefer to move to a table. Some people want to stay engaged with the kitchen and sit on the counter and then you'll go into the pastry parlor and you kind of, then that's where the meal kind of winds, winds down. But in a, in a, I always say like winds down, but it's one of my favorite parts because I love sugar. <laughs> um, so yeah. you have like about an hour in that room of just like uh, different fruits from Japan, as well as like small tasting expressions of sweets uh, and then plated desserts and mignardies and coffees and after dinners and matcha service. And all of those things happen in that room. Wow, it sounds like a really experiential kind of dining experience, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. It's kind of like create a night out of it, you know? Like it's like yeah. hour, hours of time that you can spend there just enjoying yourself. The team is there to make sure you have an amazing time and the like the the different rooms kind of shake it up so you don't feel like you're sitting in the same place for 3 hours, you know? Right. And I guess it also helps with table turns. You know, you could bring more people in because they're not sitting at one table for three hours. Yeah, that definitely is uh, is a benefaction of it. You know, like that yeah. we'll still just, we still just do two, two seatings a night, but if you wanted to, mm-hmm. you could always get, you could definitely get more with a space like that because of the opportunity to, uh, you see it in certain areas of the world where restaurants are doing it, but yeah, you can definitely get more seats. Maybe if we were, we're just we're we're getting there, maybe. <laughs> right. yeah. So are you are you going to bring any like local Florida influences into those two menus? I mean, those two restaurants that are in. Yeah. Florida? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're connected with a, a lot of farms in the Florida area um, from north all the way to south Florida uh, to work with, to be a part of our menus down there for vegetables, for fruits. But obviously, citruses are insane in florida so we're able to bring in some really nice citruses high oil contents uh work with some producers down there and then also even like we're bringing some pork farms in that i used to live in florida 
for about four and a half years. My fiance is from there. We worked down there. So I was able to like resurface a lot of my contacts from when I used to cook in the state and bring them in on what's, you know, what, what we're doing. And a lot of them are just like happy to happy to kind of join us in the journey. And so bringing in some like beautiful pork products and different produce and such. So it'll definitely be influenced by the region for sure. Mm-hmm. And you're doing um, live fire cooking at Moss. Yeah, both of them, Moss and Omo. Oh, okay. They both have a hearth in them. Uh, Moss's is significantly larger because the space is serving more than 16 people at once. But in Moss, we have about an 11 foot hearth uh, cooking for both the dining room and the counter. And then at Omo, it's maybe about five, five, six feet from DeMont Grills. Is that something that's part of your culinary style to do a lot of live fire cooking? Yeah, I think what I've I've fallen in love with it just because the like, I mean, it's almost like archaic, right? It's it's but it has this like scent memory uh, that I really enjoy that no matter what you're eating, no matter what you're uh, experience, you can experience a five Wagyu off of the grill, but for some, for everybody, or for most people, you have this memory of like eating a steak from a barbecue or something from when mm-hmm. you were younger. So it takes a little bit of the pretentiousness away from it. Cause I think once you get at a certain level, I like, I don't want diners to come in intimidated. Right. And it's like, right. when you get two stars, they're kind of like, Oh, it's a two star, but like, we're there to have fun and we're there to do whatever you want for the evening and ha- and have as good a time as you want to have. And we're going to create experiences with you. So we like feed off that energy. So that's why we love to start with snacks and you eat with your fingers and then you see this live fire and it's a good talking point. And it like breaks down the walls between the guests and, and our team and ourselves. And we can kind of really uh, just engage. And then it makes like the fanciest ingredient feel homey, you know? Yeah. And taste better too, for sure. Totally. Yeah. Better than a frying pan. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So based on your experience at Jaunt and Bresca, um, are there any lessons learned that you won't try at Masa or Omo? I think personally, you know, like uh, I opened Bresca when I was 26 years old. So it's been seven years now of going on that project and, you know, at, at Jaunt, We've been, we opened during COVID and it was a little bit, you know, intimidating and, but we made it and we're here and it's exciting. But I think I always say, you know, as I, I'm still young, I'm 33 years old. And as I evolve as a human and as a cook, I think the business matures with us, right? Because like, as we mature, as uh, this is like where we spend 80% of our time. So it's like, we're maturing as individuals because we started so young and the team's young. And as we mature, the space matures. And I think there's a lot of like things that we've learned that are eat, like, you know, I want to put something on the menu that says Cote de Boeuf, but then people are like, what the hell is a Cote de Boeuf? I've never had that before. And they're like, it's a ribeye. And they're like, Oh, I've had hundreds of ribeyes. Right. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, okay. So I'm going to call it a ribeye. Why? Because we're there for the people, right. We're there to serve people. We want people to have a great time. So we're slowly like maturing and adjusting as, as we do ourselves, you know, and I think the business is coming along with us in that way. And we're learning, we're learning more about people every day. And like I said, we're open for business. We're, we're excited to be there and and serve as in service people, you know? So I think we're, you know, sometimes as a young cook, you're like, Oh no, this is my style. This is how I'm going to do it because this is like how I want the menu to look. And, you know, and it's, it is great. Like, and it's, it's unique to be able to do that, but it doesn't always work for, for everybody. So for us, it's like, there's no pride lost in calling it a dry aged ribeye versus a coat de boeuf for me, honestly. So like, uh, it's a, um, 
you know, at the end of the day, it's just more about like, what do people want? What makes people feel more comfortable and what, what brings people in? Yeah, for sure. At Moss, are you trying to target both hotel guests and locals? From- yeah, absolutely. I think uh, being that we're in the Four Seasons, it's amazing to have that built-in kind of connection with the guest and the details that we learn from the hotel staff about the uh, we're like one giant team, you know, where our teammates are not just in Moss, they're in Four Seasons and we work closely with them to uh-huh. gather information about their guests and their VIPs and regulars. And then in turn, when they dine with us, we have a leg up, right? Because the hotel's gathered so much about them. Right. So we can create beautiful experiences for them. And they're like, whoa, I've never been here. We're like, yeah, well, we have some good friends, you know? So it works really well for us. But then the side of that is like, we love being part of the South Florida community you know, a lot of chef friends and peers down there that we want to cook with and and maybe do some collabs with uh, in our kitchens. And then, uh, you know, you build the trust in the residents. There's a lot of people that live there are moving there and South Florida is hot. It's crazy to me how wild it has been, you know, and for us, like we want to be a part of the community. We want to have regulars and, and, and build a rapport with our guests. So we're, we're doing both and, and we really enjoy it. It's like nice to be able to garner a connection with people that are there often and um, really get to know them and build experiences for them that that they're going to remember. And are you doing anything different with the front of house staff or is it I know that service is really important when you get Michelin stars, but is there anything different that you're doing in Florida that you tr- you didn't do in D.C.? So I think one major part for us that we've evolved into is we have a position called the hospitality director and Nitya is our director of hospitality. Uh, and she just actually, which was at DC for the last few years or in DC, sorry, for the last few years. Uh, and now she relocated to help with Florida and kind of build the programs down there and the SOPs. And her job is literally just like guest and creative development for the guests oh, right it's solely de- like find as much information about people share it with the team use the team from the hosts uh the host teams and things like that to build experiences too they she builds she has um instagram tag it's like let's make magic happen i think it is oh. and it just showcases like all of the things that she's done that we like, we find out somebody loves donuts on their way out the door. We have like a jaunt box of like a half dozen donuts ready for them to go. You know, like uh, we find out someone loves fried chicken on their way out the door. Like we send them with a bucket of fried chicken. That's jaunt brand. She just does all kinds of crazy stuff. And I always like tell the team, you know, like you work for Nydia, like whatever, because Nydia is always focused on, what's going to make the guest happy. So we work for Nydia and like we make our dog biscuits and our cat toys and cat biscuits and all those things. So she can brand them up to these individuals that kind of she's found information about. And that's like something that we really are keen on. And so she went down to Florida to help like get these projects going and she's moved down there and we're going to just continue to like push and create new standards for like how you can, you know, treat guests and create experience for for guests in the space. But it's a huge part of our front of the house program is just like her time and commitment to discovering, I guess that's the best. It's like so much discovery. That's very cool. I haven't heard about many restaurants doing that. That's yeah, it's fun. People, it blows people's minds that they get to go home to their dog with like a bag of treats (laughs) with their, with their puppy's face on it, you know, and uh, it's fun. It's fun. So how do you work with the bar to create synergy between the food and cocktails? I I know wine is important too, but do you work with the 
bartender at all or the mixologist to create culinary focused cocktails? Yeah. So uh, Will Patton's our director of beverage kind of for our whole group. And we're opening a cocktail bar here in D.C. Press Club to give him a space to really geek out on on cocktails. And together, uh, we're constantly evolving the cocktail program, utilizing like uh, byproducts of the kitchen in order to like further enhance flavor profiles of the drinks. And he's constantly in communication with the chefs and what's coming from the farms, what's coming up next, where uh, mm-hmm. where they're coming from, like what's the sweetness level of the fruit right now or the beets. You know, I think the mm-hmm. overwintered vegetables get so sweet, so they're beautiful for cocktails and just kind of like constantly like it's a constant, it's almost like I talk to him more than I do sometimes my spouse, because they're just constantly, he's asking questions about, about finding out information about ingredients, what's coming into season, what we could do. And then we treat the uh, the cocktail program similarly to like culinary. It's how do we layer flavors? How do we impact dilution with not water, but flavor, right? So it's like using tea bases and infused liquids Uh rather than like diluting with just ice right or water which doesn't add any flavor so we're constantly in in that together just trying to create and and push for the bar team to continue to excel do you have a a zero proof cocktail list too yes we do so in bresca in an a la carte format where you can order like uh, any beverage like mocktails and then in jaunt we have a full non-alcoholic beverage pairing where uh, there's about eight pairings in the in the entirety of the NA pairing, uh, and five of them we create in house. Three of them we source from out of house. Mm-hmm. Um, and our in Jaunt, our culinary team actually makes all of the NA beverages to pair with the food. How cool! Wow. So, are you planning the spring menu yet in uh, oh, yeah. Florida? <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, middle of winter now, but. I'm looking. No, it's it's amazing. I mean, like when we're in the middle of winter here in the north, somehow in the south, they're like, "Yeah, Jimmy Nardellos are coming into season," and I'm like, "What? That's crazy. That's an August ingredient for us, and it's January." So we're learning the difference in the seasonality and how spread apart they are. You know, like strawberry season just opened up in Florida. Corn is opening up. Like, there's so many amazing things. And excuse me, here we're just stuck in roots. You know, and that's what it is, but it's really cool to be like playing around with the different ingredients down there. Cause then they can translate to dishes up here for the spring. So you can mm-hmm. constantly be working with something that up here, I wouldn't even try testing a tomato or a strawberry right now, but down there they're great. So yeah. we can work on those things. And then when it comes time up here, we're like, Oh, we just, we created this recipe. We never used it, but we can use it up here. So for us, I think that's like the fun of it and the spaces being so far apart, but yeah, we're deep into excuse me, the menu planning for, uh, for spring and all the restaurants for John and Bresca Moss's Moss's like just changed some items, actually got morel mushrooms on the menu, got some wild spring onions from the West coast on the menu. Strawberries just went on the menu. So Moss is like hitting the spring already because it actually feels like it down there a lot more than it does up here. Well, you're making me really look forward to spring because it's so great in New York city. It's been, I, I'm, I'm based in New York and it's been great yeah. for like two weeks. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> DC hasn't been much different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's the same. So what are you most looking forward to both personally and professionally in the year ahead? I know you have a lot going on, but is there anything in particular that you're most looking forward to? 
yeah, I'm, I'm going to get married. So oh, that's an amazing, yeah, like in the midst, in the mid, we've been engaged for over four years. So like in the midst of, uh, you know, kind of building a company and our home and this life, like professionally has been busy for both of us. So four years of engagement should finally come to a marriage here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, uh, yes. And it'll be like 12 years together with Diana. So it's amazing for us. And it's a great, like, um, you know, I don't want to say it's an achievement, but it's definitely something that like we look forward to after spending so much of our like lives together thus far. And then I think professionally, like just continuing that, like we leave for Japan tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. to cook an Iwate prefixture. And I think just to continue and work with our team and like professional development and education and uh, create la- kind of career and life experiences together with our chefs and and uh, our kitchen teams and dining room teams and go like we're going to Japan. This is the second time in like four months to cook uh, for the Iwate prefectural government. And I think, you know, for us, like it's fun. Like we're going to do a lot of cool things when we're there. We're going to continue to educate. And then our team has life firsthand life experiences to come back and talk to our guest about that's not just like oh yeah i know we get this from tokyo it's like you know most of the things don't come from tokyo they ship from tokyo but they don't come from tokyo you know there's no farms in tokyo like uh so like uh just continuing to do that with our team and grow and do different events we have a lot of collaborations this year a lot of fun events on the calendar that we're that we're locking in so it should just be a really really fun year professionally to to cook with friends and continue to develop our team and career growth and and build our company with our partners and and just you know have fun thanks so much ryan it must be really exciting but at the same time challenging to oversee such very different restaurants you can download this episode of Menu Feed and past podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Pat Kobe. Mm-hmm.